You're just killing me. <laughs> hey, I just want to say a word uh, that uh, um, we have baptism scheduled at the end of the month and um, a child dedication. Let me just say this. I don't want the emphasis to be, oh, I want Brian to baptize me. Okay, this is about identifying with Jesus Christ. Right? And if, there's a, if you have a little one, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm happy to serve you and be in that way, but this is not about me. This is just not about me. It's about him. And, and let that be your motivation. But I'd love to celebrate with you if that's something you want to do on the, I think it's the 30th or whatever, that last day of, of uh, March is. I don't care that much anymore. Um, <laughs> would you pray with me? Most loving Father, whose will it is for all of us to trust you in all things, to fear nothing but the loss of you, and to cast all our care on you who cares for us. Would you preserve us from faithless fears? Would you open any stubborn parts of our will in this hour? Would you give capacity for us to hear your voice and experience your invitation? And guide us to keep moving toward you. Help us to know that we're in your love and in your care. Always, you have us on your mind. Help us also see the special moments where you desire to intentionally impact our specific lives, and I pray that you will have your way in us this morning. The honor and blessing of the fact that you desire to guide us exceeds imagination but open our minds to your reality, your truth, your will for us. As we share together now, be our teacher, be our guide. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Just put your finger there, I'll get there in just a moment. But Mark chapter 1, second book of the New Testament. There's a wonderful moment in either the past or available in the future of every person in this room. It's the moment when we realize for the very first time that we are truly loved by God. Some of you grew up having been taught about God's love. For me, his love demonstrated in the gift of his only son was something that was sort of a, a basic fact of life I was taught being raised in the church where I was raised. But it's an extraordinary moment when you, when you realize with reason clarity, perhaps with young adult or adult perspective, that just how significant a gift God's love is. I mean, we learned it as a child. God loves me. Yeah, but when you realize how significant it is and, and, and we're invited to appropriate it. We believe it. We accept his love and his offer of a, of a relationship is essential for our life. It's a wonderful thing when God, I, I don't know how to exactly say it, but words that come up with it, it's a wonderful thing when God breaks through to us, right? How many of you remember the time when God began to break through to you? Remember that? When he started showing up, he started prompting, started moving, tried to influence your life and your faith. You knew he was working on you. I heard from a friend of mine this week, who described with great fondness that moment when God revealed himself through a series of clearly heaven-ordained encounters. Truth would, that had previously been foggy was starting to be clear, and, and pain that had been aching for a long time 
started to be relieved with a touch of God's spirit and, and love that promised to satisfy a hungry heart began to be seen as available in Christ. And my friend heard this unmistakable prompting, not a literal voice, I don't think God does that very often, but a clear invitation that he sensed inside him that he knew came from Jesus. And the invitation was from Jesus and it was saying, I love you, I gave my life for you, and I invite you to choose me. I invite you to believe in me. I invite you to come to me and follow me. And my friend did. That was my friend's encounter with what we call the gospel, the good news of Jesus. The good news is that Jesus is here. He's present. He's available. He's active in the world and in our lives. The gospel of Jesus emerges, and God's Spirit prompts and invites, and by faith we say, I believe. We say, I will follow. And that's the moment when our connection, our relationship with God begins. It happens because God shows up, because he speaks up, because he breaks through, and he speaks and nudges and prompts, and he doesn't force, but he is compelling, and we finally or eventually say, yes, I believe, I belong to you, I will follow you, and it's an amazing moment. It took place in the life of a young man last Sunday, right down here after the service. The vast majority of those who call themselves believers or Christians can describe the moment or the process by which Jesus broke through to them and their, and their life and walk with Jesus began, but here's what I find confusing, Okay? Most believers readily admit that Jesus stood at the door of their life somehow and knocked. He mysteriously and almost supernaturally made himself known. He spoke somehow. God spoke from heaven, even not in an audible word. We, we got it. We understood. He invited us to follow. But then we grow from those early days of, of faith, and many of us stop believing in the sense that God speaks to us, or we stop practicing the art of listening. The, we believe the Bible has plenty to say to our lives. So we read that. We do. We just stop thinking about the fact that Jesus has indeed shown up in human history and is still present in ours and still prompting and still cajoling and attempting to show up in our lives in a way that compels trust. I had a conversation with a pastor from another church last week, and it's a great church full of wonderful believers, and the pastor was discussing with me a survey he asked his people to complete, and he was blown away by a number of the responses, including or especially this one. I had him write it down for me. He said, only 13% of the believers who took the survey said they connect with God in prayer through listening. 13% are anticipating his voice. And the 87% who didn't intentionally listen, I'm guessing many of them resist because they're not sure God actually speaks to them anymore. It, 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 it feels too mystical, too uncertain, too hard to prove and verify. So instead of actively listening a great many believers do all the talking when they pray. They just talk and talk and talk and then say, amen. They began a relationship with God as a result of hearing and sensing this mysterious invitation from Jesus, but then they mature in their faith and they effectively stop believing God still wants to break through to them. And it's not just a problem in some other church. It's a, it's a reality all around us. It's a, it's a reality here. If you're a follower of Jesus, you made that commitment because, because God reached out specifically to you, but we move beyond that refreshing early faith, and many of us eventually get to a place where we struggle to recognizing the ongoing nature of the Lord's prompting and often have no sense of knowing when God is actually or specifically at work in our lives. Friends, can I just say, one of the most important realities I've encountered over the last number of months when I was on sabbatical and so it was something I know well, but it slowed down a bit in the practice of my, of my faith. It's the fact that God wants to be continually 
guiding and breaking through and impacting my life. He wants to move in my life. In order for that to happen, I need to hear his voice. I need to listen. I need to notice his moving more. He wants to keep breaking into new territory, breaking through to new territory within me. He wants the same with you, and I know it's mysterious. We can get confused. We'd rather just have our religion be such that we show up on Sundays or we do our, you know, check the boxes and all that, but there's more he wants to do. I know there are those who say all the time, God told me, when it's pretty clear God didn't tell anyone that. <laughs> they just throw that on the beginning of their phrase because it helps them win arguments, but I know this is shaking ground for some, so reluctance is understandable, but listen to just a few examples from Scripture on the subject of God's ongoing efforts to break through and speak and impact our lives, okay? Not unlike he did in the early days of a lot of us in our faith. Let's throw a couple of passages up on the screen. John 10, verse 27. Jesus speaking here, and he said, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Jeremiah 33, God speaking to his prophet. said, Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you do not know. John 8, verse 47. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear, if it's possible that could happen to us, is that you do not belong to God. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way you should go. It's normal. Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. John 14, verse 16 says, I will ask the Father, Jesus speaking again, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you, you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. He will be guiding and directing and prompting and moving. Psalm 32, verse 8, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Let me lead, not yank and tug and force. Isaiah 55, verse 3, Incline your ear and come to me and listen that you may live. And I hope you didn't fade as I went from verse to verse to verse on that. Because those are amazing promises. Assuring us that the God of heaven wants to speak and guide, and break through to us. And, and some of us allow him to do that. And it's an awesome thing. I've seen that in, in many of your lives, but many believers aren't really looking for his guidance in the situations of their life. They just look for his help when it's all falling apart. And one more, a primary text for us this morning is, I mentioned Mark chapter 1, so turn there. Verses 14 and 15. Even though Mark is the second book of the New Testament, most scholars agree it was the first gospel that was written. And verses 14 and 15 are the first recorded words of Jesus, his first teaching as he went public in his ministry. Listen to what he says. Jesus said this. He said, the time has come, he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That's how Jesus introduced his ministry. He said, the time has come. Now, friends, this is such an important truth that I want to leave with you. The fact that God still speaks, he still guides, he still leads, still invites us to follow still wants to shape our lives and redirect our paths in an ongoing way, in a continuous way. We have to choose 
whether or not we'll listen to his voice, whether or not we'll look for his guidance, allow him and allow God's kingdom, kingdom to break through to our lives. And one of the primary ways God leads is contained in a very loaded phrase, the first phrase Jesus says in Mark chapter 1. Jesus began his entire ministry by saying those words, the time has come. And from my view of God and his activity in the world and in my life, while God is always speaking to us through his written word, which we're compelled to read and study and apply, God also desires to speak and guide us in the times, in the moments of our day that he's made pregnant with meaning. And there are a lot of them. With Jesus came the arrival on earth of God's kingdom, of God's rule, God's adventure in human history. The time has come. And in his time, that's often where God speaks, in his presence in life circumstances. He wants to break through. Now, the reason this phrase is so important is the very specific word Jesus used that we translate time. I got this from Mike Breen. He wrote a book called Building a Discipling Culture. Breen points out that, that there are several words in New Testament Greek which translate into the Greek word time. The first word is the most common word is the word chronos. It's where we get the word chronograph or, or a special kind of watch, an expensive kind of watch. It comes from the Greek, Okay. Uh, chronos refers to sequential time, to the, the passing of time, the seconds and the minutes and the hours and the days and the months and, and, and so forth, the years of our life. It's how we tend to view time. It's like that. It just kinda, it's a long line. starts somewhere at the beginning here and keeps on going. That's how we tend to view time, and that's how people view time most of the occasions of their life, all right? When Jesus said, the time has come, he didn't mean that. Right? That was not on his mind. The word Jesus used was not chronos, it was the word kairos. Kairos, it's a different word entirely. Kairos time refers to an event, to an opportunity, a moment in chronos time when it's possible everyone is being invited to change. Okay? A kairos moment is when the eternal God breaks into your circumstances with an event that gathers some of the loose ends of your life and knots them together in his hands. Right? It's when God's kingdom comes close. It's one of the most significant ways that God guides our lives. Kairos moments are often a platform for God to speak and shape and lead and transform us. Yes, sir. Now in the Gospels, Jesus caught, taught and continued to influence his disciples using the moments of the day. One time they forgot about food for those who had gathered to speak. That was a Kairos moment. He made, made some hay out of that moment, right? Yes, sir. Situation in their life. He had a lesson to teach them. He used their arguments, he used storms, he used little children, he used fish. And Jesus still teaches his disciples the same way today. The time has come, my kingdom is near, I'm present in the moments of your day. Watch for me, watch for it, watch for my spirit, apply my word to your life. Well, I've been living, my wife and I, we've been living in one of, the, in one of these Kairos moments for the last few months. And it's not about the passing of time. This Kairos moment is the experience of, of making decisions about our future. And if all this was about was passing of linear time, this would be a, kind of a simple way I was leading through. I would say, well, in the passing of time, uh, we went through, uh, you know, December, January, a time of kind of thinking hard about what the future was like. And then in, in February, we made a decision. And then March, we told the church. And April 6th, we said farewell, and, and from there we, you know, decided where we're going to go next. Pretty simple stuff, if that's the way it worked. But that's not what I've been experiencing. I know God has been trying to break through to us. He's teaching me, and he's teaching Holly some important things in a moment that looks not like that linear time, but in a moment where the linear time is interrupted and there's something else that goes on. 
right? There's a little adventure down here that God is taking us through. And it looks more like that. And if we allow him in this journey, in this circle, God is in the process of changing the trajectory of how we live. He's breaking through. He wants us to, to learn and experience more and more of him. And on one level, because it's painful to say goodbye, can I tell you, I hate this. Right? I can't stand this. But it's also a time, this is also a moment when God is, is teaching and he's touching and he's reassuring and he's showing up and he's guiding and he's showing us the river he wants us to stay in and he, he's showing us the kingdom of God that he wants to bring about in our lives in increasing ways. So even though I hate the pain, I love the fact that God, the king of the universe, the creator of all that exists, wants my attention. What an amazing thought. It's a Kairos moment for Holly and me. In a different way, maybe a smaller way, it might be a Kairos moment of sorts for some of you as well. Sometimes Kairos moments are positive experiences. Parents, think about the birth of your first child. Was that a moment or was that a moment, right? I mean, it wasn't just another day when your first child was born. Went to, got the dry cleaning, got some groceries, had a baby, came home. <laughs> I remember it as a messy painful, frightening, emotionally, physically challenging experience. And I think, I think it was hard on my wife as well. But it, but, but it wasn't just a medical moment. It wasn't just a physical thing. To witness your daughter or your son coming into the world, that moment has the potential to change you, doesn't it? I mean, it can draw us closer to God. It can draw parents closer together. And then there's this moment, this notable time when, you know what happens to your heart when you hold this slimy little creature for the first time, don't you, right? We start usually, or we can start bonding. We start loving. And moms can experience this amazing amount of maternal instincts. And dads, we can forget the name we gave the child sometimes, but we know all of a sudden we know that if something happened, we would walk through fire to protect that little one. It's a moment of profound change. It happens like this, but something changes in that moment. Maybe not to the same extent, but other positive moments are things like our wedding or a favorite vacation or special time with family and friends. I remember some moments of ministry where I sat back after watching God do something incredible and I just kind of soaked up the experience. I was moved. I had a moment of where linear time seemed to stop and I let it all come in. I let it shape me and encourage me for the future. Those moments were part of what God used to cause greater belief in the power of God and increased commitment to serve his agenda. Kairos moments are often experienced in the moments you cherish. There are also going to be Kairos moments in times of challenge or in tragedies. Like sometimes there's a death of a loved one and time stops and we go on this lousy, rotten, stinking adventure. But God is showing up or, or there's a divorce or there's an argument or there's leaving the job you love or 9-11 is a Kairos moment or was a Kairos moment for many of us. We remember it vividly. We've all heard people who talked about how their life changed that particular day. Friends, God doesn't send all those negative moments. He sends some of them and he allows the rest, but often, maybe always, he wants to use significant Kairos moments to impact our lives, to change our trajectory. And he wants to speak to us and break through to us, and he wants to teach us and develop us as disciples, as followers of Jesus, and he's, he's waiting in all these moments in our lives to do just that. There are environments where we're, invi we're invited to listen to his word and embrace more and more of, of his agenda. All too often, we recognize important and notable moments that take place, and, and we, we, we don't allow them to change us, though. They just kind of get stacked up, you know. 
here's a bad thing, here's a good thing, here's a bad thing, here's a good thing. They just kind of stack up and we move along and that's how, that's how we, we view life. We use those moments as nothing more than markers that pass the time in our life. In Mark 1, though, put the passage back up for us if you wouldn't mind. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, the time has come, Kairos has come, the kingdom of God is near, it's within reach, it's close. And then he told us how to grab hold of those moments. You see what he said? Look at the text. Two things he asks us to do. See what they are in the verse? What are, what are the two? Repent and believe. Repent and believe. When God breaks through, when his timing invades our life, he asks us to repent and to believe. Pan is dying out. I hope you can still see that. I'll put a, a pretty one up on the screen just a little bit. To repent is not just to fall on your face and, and, and beg forgiveness like we do sometimes when we're convicted of sin. That's not what the word means in this context. It might. But the word is metanoia in the Greek, and at its core it means to change our mind. It means to change the way we think. A lot of people don't do that. A lot of people just keep on going. They just keep on walking through these experiences. They ignore the door that's been opened, the time that exists for growth. But if we're keenly aware of God in these moments, there's a learning process available. And it starts with repenting, a change of heart that might show up in a lifestyle or behavioral change. Walking as a disciple of Christ means constantly growing and changing inwardly as we take on more and more the character of the one we follow. Change is a vital part of the life of a follower of Christ. And this diagram would be a great thing for some of you to remember, so you might want to kind of write this down and keep track of it. And there are three words that if we do this repenting right, three words that really apply to us that we're supposed to do in this repenting process. First thing, we're supposed to observe. Okay? Second thing we're supposed to do is to um, repent. I'm sorry, uh, 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 reflect. I knew it started with R. And the last thing we need to do is Discuss. Three great ways that we, that we repent, all right? By, by observing what we're doing is we're saying, what's going on here? What is God showing me? What is taking place in my life that I need to pay attention to? By reflecting, we stop and say, what am I thinking about? What am I feeling? How does this, what's, where would I fight? Where is my flesh in the way? And the disgusting part is pretty obvious. We get around some other people that we can talk to and, and, and they can influence our life and it's a good thing. We discuss together and we learn. We have the right kind of people, not people who just tell us what we want to hear. But they tell us what, what, they, what they're thinking, what they're perceiving. We discuss together. It's a growing time. These three steps boil down to the primary question we need to ask in a Kairos moment. In the whole thing, when, when we sense God is, something, God is doing something, we need to ask, what? Let's just do it this way. What's up? All right? That's what we're asking. What's God doing? In my positive experience, in my negative experience, in my departure to leave or invitation to leave, in the, in the, in the suffering you're going through, in, the, in the, the, the birth of a child, what's God up to? What's he trying to do? How is he trying to shape me? And once you've identified what God is up to, you then complete the Kairos moment by putting what you discover as God's agenda into practice in your life. You, you step out in belief. You step really hard into belief. You lean into it fully. You believe change is possible. You invest the faith Required to actually move toward God. Faith, says the writer of Hebrews, is what? It's the substance of things believed. That means a substantive display of, of, of obedient belief. It's faith in action. You don't just repeat what you've learned, but in fact you do what you've discovered is God's will. And just as there's three spokes to the wheel on the repentance side, there's also three spokes to the other side under the belief thing. Three words that will kind of help us. First, we, we make a plan here. What does God want me to do? 
We invite accountability into our lives. This is not just people who are the spiritual police, but these are people who will help us and encourage us. And then we act. We work out the plan. I love this, friends. I love this. And when you complete this lap around this circle, this could be happen very quickly or something, but when we do this, when God shows up in a certain way, this is what happens. It changes the trajectory of our lives. We're no longer going this way, we're going this way. And this little arc here, this little arc, this is called discipleship. That's what, it, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And we change and we grow and we move and we adjust. We become different people. Think about it. If you realized that God was attempting to break into your life, break through to your life, what if you didn't just see it, but you actually acted on it? You didn't just hear it, but you begin to put it into practice. What would change in you? God wants to make the most of these kairos moments in our life. Because the time has come, he said. I have come, and I want to shape you, and I want to mold you. I want you to follow me, and I want to come and point you in a whole different direction, bit by bit by bit. Now, let me give you the reason I shared this today. Far too many believers are living their lives in a linear fashion. Their aim is on the accomplishments of the world, on success or, or power or acquisition, the best family, the best stuff, the best accomplishments, our team winning, our candidate winning, our cause winning, finishing first, finishing ahead. And our goal is fixed on the prize of getting to the end of linear time with the most, the most wins, the most stuff. And we call that life, a straight line that's always moving up and to the right. That's the goal. That's not life that God intends. It's not the shape of real life. Never mind, no one ever wins. That never happens to anybody. It's not the abundant life that Jesus came to provide us. Abundant life, life as a disciple of Christ, is one that looks more like a slinky than an arrow. All right? If we're doing it right, we keep on going back and back to the fact that there are more things that God wants to teach us. There's more events there's more learnings. There's more things that happen. And the change just keeps on going as we become more and more like Christ, more and more like our Savior. We think like him. We talk like him. We respond like him. We, we see like him. As he continue to, continues to change us through the application of his word to the situations of our lives. He brings us kairos moments where we keep repenting and keep believing. And we discover new things and apply them into our lives. Some of you, right now, you're in the middle of a real mess in your world. And it's hard. Or some of you are in the middle of something wonderful. And it's a real kick. What if God was waiting in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through? To see you through it, certainly. To celebrate with you, if that's the case. But what if there was something he wants to teach you? What if there's a change? What if there's an adjustment to the trajectory of your life? What if there's something new he wants to bring about? Friends, seize it. Repent and believe. Change your mind. Change your life. Change your direction. That's discipleship. I'm going to be praying for you in the days and weeks and months and years ahead. And as I pray, I'll be thanking God for the opportunity that it's been for Holly and I to do life and ministry with you in this amazing church. And I'll pray that you'll keep on being a mosaic, striving to live like Jesus.
And I'll pray for the leaders here. And I'll pray for people you will impact and pray that you'll stand in the river and keep doing his will and as you love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'll pray what Paul prayed for the Ephesians. That was a church he loved. I didn't think he knew what a slinky was. I don't think Paul was aware of it at the time, but he had this shape in mind, I think, perhaps, when he wrote this to the church he loved in Ephesians 5, verse 15. He said, therefore, he said to his people he loved, he said, be careful how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of your time. The word is kairos. Making the most of your kairos moments because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand, obey, believe what the will of the Lord is. Listen for his voice because he's speaking and leading and transforming. Friends, I could, there's a lot of things I'll be praying for you for. But one of them, that all of us together will just keep on changing the focus of our life as we allow God to lead. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that you have an agenda for us. Would you give us eyes to see the agenda that's all around us? Sometimes it happens in the middle of real tough stuff, and I pray for those right now who are going through difficulty. We all know something about what that's like to have this never-ending sense of it being there upon us and the, the weight of it being pressed upon us. I pray for those who are struggling. Would you cause them in the middle of the struggle, even though they would just want it to stop, would you cause them that as long as it's there to say, God, what can I learn? How can I draw closer to you? How can I experience your love and your power, your grace? How can I develop greater capacity to be yours in all that I do? I pray for those who are going through good times now, Father. For those who just had a baby, just had a wedding, just got a new job, just got a raise, just bought a house, just discovered something wonderful. Their kid got accepted to a great school. They're, they're blessed. Would you help them in those times, not just to give thanks, but also to say, God, how can I follow you more fully in this new blessing of my life? Help us to see life that way. Father, I love the song we're going to sing to close, and I pray that it will be our prayer. It will be a prayer that will be evidence of growth, evidence of transformation. The words say, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. My faith will be made stronger in the presence, the daily presence of my Savior. Thank you for this body. Guide us in the weeks to come to know how to, to say farewell and all that. But of greater importance, Father, guide us to be your children. Guide us to grow by your prompting. Again, I stand amazed that you are mighty and almighty God, creator of all that exists, has a will for our lives. You show up in the circumstances of our life. Help us to grow in you. We thank you for this, Father, and pray in Christ's name. Spirit, lead me where my best is without borders. Let me
God has allowed us to look to your right or to your left. Some people you've known for a long time, some people you just met, but, but he leads us to a place like this and he gives us a chance to be part of an adventure. There's an adventure for grace in this broken city to represent the cause of Christ. There's people representing all kinds of other agendas. But it's the cause of Christ. It's our job. It's the most important thing we can do. And I, and I, I love the fact that I've, I've had a chance to be here, that Holly and I have had a chance to be here with you, and we'll stay here in spirit and root for the tigers and the lions and not the pistons, but the tigers and the lions. But it's not about civic loyalty. It's about, it's about the fact this is a great canvas. This city is a great canvas on which we paint the opportunity to walk like Jesus would have us walk. Keep the mission up. Keep it going. Some of you are, have become new believers in, in recent days. Some of you have been believers for a long time. It's an adventure. It's a, it's a, a wonderful adventure. And some of you are just on the, the edge, the precipice of deciding, yeah, I'm going to follow Christ. Can I just encourage you to follow Christ? What he calls us to will not just change your life. It will change your eternity, and it will change the life of others as well. And there's nothing more important. Father, I pray you will bless this church. Bless us to see the, the circles, the, the journeys that you have us on. Keep it strong, protect it from disunity or strife, protect it from economic challenges, protect it from false teaching that erupts in the community all around us, protect it from agendas that are not of you. And Father, we, we look forward to that one day when we can rejoice together again, months down the road, years down the road, eternity down the road. Bless my brothers and sisters, Father. Convict and guide and comfort as only you can. Thank you for your purpose in life. We pray this in Christ's amazing name and all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless. See you next week.